dramatized. In other words, there will be a few voices uh, reading the scripture. So do not be surprised when you hear a few different voices echoing uh, through this sanctuary. And with that in mind, let us begin our service uh, with these words. We have come together as a family of God in our Father's presence to offer Him praise and thanksgiving, to hear and receive His holy word, to bring before Him the needs of the world and to ask His forgiveness of our sins and to seek His grace, that through His Son, Jesus Christ, we may give ourselves to His service. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins before the Almighty God. Let's spend a few moments in quiet, examining our hearts in the presence of a crucified God. Let us say the corporate confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. As we begin our Good Friday afternoon service, before we go into a time of worship, let us spend some time to reflect on the scene of Jesus being crucified. Let us take this time to reflect on John chapter 19, verses 1 to 30. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, 
I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You have no authority over me at all unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in the Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was a day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, Behold your king. The Jews cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather, this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, 
Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And has bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Church, let's rise. Today, as we gather for Good Friday, there's a time to remember what Jesus has done for us. And as we have heard the reading just now, the journey of Jesus in Jerusalem, facing the prospect of dying on the cross, yet He chose, He chose to follow the Father's will for our sake. So we're going to sing this song. I pray that our hearts will be ready to worship this King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who have chosen to give His life for us all. Encourage us to sing along with me. Oh, 
1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that we were ransomed not by perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or spot was made manifest for the sake of us. Father, today as we gather today as a church, help us to truly comprehend and to know how deep, how great your love it is for us. Lord, we thank you that you, you do not leave us condemned in our sins. But God, to send your Son, Jesus, to save and to redeem us, God. Lord, as we sing the next song together as a church, help us to be reminded of who Jesus is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but yet He has chosen to give His life for us all. Thank you, Lord. Church, let's sing this with faith. Above all powers, above all Above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all. Measure what you 
deserve to die Rejected and alone Like a rose Trampled on the ground You took the fall And taught me Let us sit or kneel as we pray. Father, in sorrow, in penitence, and in thanksgiving for the divine sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us pray. Father, may you give to your church grace to enter deeply into the sad mystery of today. As we stand before the cross of Jesus Christ, make us more worthy to take up that cross as the sign of our faith. Father, have mercy on a world that has gone its own way, ignorant and forgetful of Christ's tremendous love and sacrifice. And we commit this broken world to you, a world that is torn by wars, many lives are lost, spreading poverty across the world. In the power of the cross, may his true kingship be established. As Jesus cared for his mother and his friend, even in the hour of death, let nothing diminish our concern for our loved ones and for one another. We remember those who were once our close friends. Remember our family members. We pray that you will restore and refresh us, that we may extend the same deep love that Jesus had for his mother and his disciple. As he was crucified, May his saving love come into our homes. Father, look with compassion on all who are bruised and smitten by suffering. We have people and places in our minds who are now suffering. We pray that the compassionate heart will be placed upon where they are suffering in silence. May your love, your compassion surround them. And in the sufferings of Christ, let them find healing. We pray also for those whose earthly life 
have ended. We remember people who have passed on from this life into eternity. We pray that the death which destroy death shall be their life. And now, at all times, we offer our prayers through Jesus Christ, crucified for us. And we ask all this in our Son's most precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. As we come into today's Good Friday Reflection, let our hearts just be focused on the cross. We're going to go into John's account of the crucifixion that was read earlier for us. Particularly, we're going to zoom into verses 16 to 30 in Christ's journey to the cross. But even as we prepare now to receive God's Word, Lord, we ask and we pray that you speak to us today. That, Lord, you allow your words to be spoken. Allow what you want to be said to come into our hearts. And to allow us to deeply remember. To deeply remember how great a work that you did on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To the next half an hour or so, we're going to take a journey through John chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. We're going to remind ourselves of three things. We're going to begin by reminding ourselves of the depth that Jesus took on the cross. The depth that He took on. In this Holy Week service from Palm Sunday, where we talked about our divided hearts, so today we'll be talking about the depth we're going to look at the depth that Jesus took. Then we'll reflect on the depth that we owe. We'll look through that same set of verses again, this time focusing on a different people and how they responded to the cross. And we will then end by thanking God for His finished work. And along the way, the band and the team will be helping to sing, helping us to reflect, to focus our hearts on all that God has done. We begin to look at the debt that Jesus took. And verse 16 says this, So they took Jesus, and He went out, bearing His own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And these words that are recorded here in the Gospel of John are unique when compared to the other Gospel accounts. These words that are recorded here stand unique because in all three other Gospel accounts, they introduce Simon of Cyrene, 
who was tasked to carry the cross on the way to Golgotha. But here, John leaves out that detail. That's not a contradiction to say that only one thing is true. Instead, we can think about it like two photographs of the same event, where at different points, the photographs may look slightly different, but it doesn't make one look any less true than the other. And instead, what John, as he records the gospel, what he's doing here, is to focus at the very, probably at the very beginning, where Jesus began carrying the cross himself, and then along the way, Simon of Cyrene came. The question then becomes why? Why does John want to say that Jesus was bearing his own cross? You see, throughout his message, John's key idea was to reveal and present the life of Jesus Christ. It was to reveal and affirm who this Christ was. And at the very beginning of the gospel, of his gospel, he parallels with Genesis 1. But Genesis begins, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he points immediately to the identity of this one God who was sent down to be light unto the world, to be light unto all mankind, that darkness cannot overcome. And John here is affirming and telling his readers, this is indeed the Christ. He is the Christ who is carrying that cross. He is actually making a beautiful parallel to Genesis 22 when Isaac carried his own wood to be sacrificed. And he's saying that in this Christ, in the person of who he is, he is completing the Genesis story where just as Isaac carried his own wood for the sacrifice, so too now this God who is perfect sacrifice provided by God is carrying his cross. That he is Isaac fulfilled. He is the sacrifice that God has provided. This Christ is God in human flesh. He is giving himself as the sacrifice to take on our debt of sin. He is the one going to the cross. He is the one carrying the cross. what does this step look like? Verse 18 to 19. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Here we see how Jesus took on the depth of sin. Jesus was crucified right in the center, one on either side, Jesus between them. But this was not for some positive reason. 
but it was because the people who crucified him, his executioners, wanted to heap on maximum shame. And that's also the reason why they hung above him, King of the Jews, because that was essentially the charge against Christ, that he claims to be God. And they killed him for it. But see, for us, this highlights, this showcases our sin. Because in charging him with the inverted common crime of being king of the Jews, it highlights humanity and our refusal to acknowledge him as God. That we refuse to accept who he is and his truth and we lay that against him and we kill him for it. That right from the beginning of creation, the problem in the garden was not simple disobedience. The problem with eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was not knowledge as in I know, but the problem was decision. The problem was that they wanted to decide, we wanted to decide what was right and what was wrong. In other words, we rejected him as king. We began rebellion. We decided to live life in our own way. And in that, that encapsulates our problem. And that is the debt that Christ took upon himself. Our rejection of his rule as king, he took on the cross. And in verse 23, it continues, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Historical records would note that men were typically crucified completely naked. That's something that the historian Artemidas notes. Although some historians argue that perhaps they were allowed a loincloth. But certainly the picture that we get here are that all his clothes, if not almost all his clothes, were torn off from Christ. And if we close our eyes and picture that for a moment, that gruesome sight of a man beaten, bloodied and bruised, stripped and hung on a hill for all to see. Imagine the humiliation, the shame that Christ endured. We ourselves struggle when we forget to zip our pants or we wear our shirts inside out. But imagine for a moment the amount of agony, the shame that Christ bore on that cross. It was total humiliation. 
But even in that, we see the beauty, the wonder of what Christ did. In this too, we see a healing of the divine. That as we marvel at the wondrous cross and we follow what John and how John has structured his presentation, we remember and we go back to the garden when sin entered the world and creation was ashamed. When sin entered the world and Adam and Eve did not know where to turn. When creation who was born into intimacy with God, into intimacy with Christ, they felt shame as a result of sin. And Christ on that cross experienced that same shame and took it on and healed that divine. He took on the depth of sin. He took on the depth of shame. And it continues in verse 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And here John stands remarkably silent on the emotions that the two Marys and the favoured disciple they were going through. And he paints this conversation as if it was one way. But what that highlights to us, as Reverend Gilbert prayed earlier, is that Christ continued to show remarkable care for these people whom he loved, despite the agony and the suffering that he was facing. We see a man in the pain of his own agony in suffering, giving his all and caring about his friend and his earthly mother. And within this conversation lies again something for us to think about. That Jesus was well aware that he was going to be separated from his earthly family. But in suffering this separation from his earthly family, Christ healed the separation between the eternal family, between us and God. That as Paul writes in Romans 5, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That just as humanity was cut off from God because of the sin of one man, so too Christ suffered the separation to heal this great divide. And then in verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. And right here on the cross, Christ paid the price 
of death. And as the band comes and as they get ready, we remember first the debt that Jesus took. He took on the debt of sin, our rejection of His rule. He took on the debt of shame, our removal of intimacy with God. He paid the price of separation to heal our separation from God. And He paid the price of His life that we all might live. That is the debt that Jesus paid. Let's spend the next few minutes as we sing through this song to just see what Christ took on for us that we might live. What Christ took on for us that we can be alive. What Christ took on for us that we can be redeemed. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame. i 
angels on that old cross. Jesus suffered, suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish, so I'll cherish. second reflection we'll take a second pass at the passage and we'll look at the people involved and ask the question how do we respond to the cross how do we respond to this debt we owe you know the way John records the crucifixion he records it in remarkably little detail. If we look at verse 19 in our Bibles, that's all that he says. And Jesus was crucified there in the middle with thieves on either side. It takes up one line of his account. And after John moves from character to character, And he is perhaps himself asking us that question. How do we respond to the cross? We're going to look at the four characters. And let this be a time for us to reflect, not simply about which one we identify with most, but instead to recognize that in some way in our sinfulness, all four characters are in our hearts. And may it draw us into a response that says, Lord, deal with these in my heart that I may worship you and become who you are calling me to be. We begin first with Pilate. The story goes that Pilate was the Roman governor of the time, and we read that Pilate himself did not actually believe Christ to be guilty. 
he wanted to release Christ. And he is even the one who writes that sign that says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And even more remarkably, when the Jewish leaders ask him to change it, he replies, what I have written, I have written. But that's incredibly ironic. There is incredible irony in that statement. Because it was this same Pilate who gave Jesus up to be crucified. Where was this gung-ho attitude of Pilate's when he had every chance to release Christ? But instead, what was the difference? Why could Pilate stand firm then? But he gave in to the Jewish leaders. Verse 12 reveals it. The Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And there, under that threat, Pilate gave Christ up. When his own position was under threat, when his identity, his power, his character, his strength was under threat, he gave Christ up. But later on, when that, when that was no longer under threat, there he found the courage all of a sudden to say, what I have written, I have written. He knew the truth. He recognized it. But he put the security of his position and his power and his reputation above that truth. And if we're true to ourselves, there are pilots in all of us. Do we stand up for Christ only when it's convenient? In our schools, and our workplaces, amongst our friends, do we only confess our faith when we feel like we are safe? Do we end up giving in to the pressures of the world even though we are a people who know the truth? And yes, we can see how through Pilate and through this whole thing, God is in charge and God is in control and God's will is at hand and He is in some sense still doing the will of God. But are we pilots in that God is, in that we are proclaiming God as some inadvertent proclaimer? Or do we do the will of God out of the surrender of our hearts? No matter what we do, God is in control. No matter what we do, whatever God wants to be accomplished will be accomplished. But our faithfulness determines whether we respond to Him.
So this Good Friday, in this little period, when you think for ourselves, myself included, have we dealt with the pilots inside of us? That we only choose to see who God is when it's convenient. Then we look at the priests. And their whole case is summarized in this single phrase, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather the man said, I am king of the Jews. They simply did not believe in Christ. They simply did not believe the gospel. And again, the contrast of putting Pilate and the priest side by side is beautiful from John. Because what it leaves us with is on one hand, we have Pilate who has no clue about God, but he proclaims the truth. But then we have these priests who should know everything about God, but they reject the truth. And within us, there may be high priests alive and alive in our hearts as well. See, as Christians, the people who profess that we believe in this God, we are the ones who are supposed to have that relationship with God. We are the ones who should see the truth. But yet, are we these same very ones who reject the truth of God when we put aside what He has called us to, when we choose our ways over His own? When we, as a people who claim to be believers, who have come into the faith of God, we continue to live our lives in the darkness rather than in the light. And we know that within us, this is still true. These high priests are very much still alive in our hearts and that we still choose our ways over His own. And again, this Good Friday, let's remind ourselves afresh to deal and to ask God for forgiveness over His place, over how we have treated Him. Let me come to the soldiers. There was Christ on the cross being crucified in the most gruesome way possible and all the soldiers could think of was, I want his clothes. In fact, if we look at how John records it, it goes, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, like it was some normalcy and everyday occurrence. And he says, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. See, they had done this crucifixion thing so many times that they had forgotten the weight of the cross. They had forgotten who this God was. And in that same way, do we remember Christ and His sacrifice? Or are we only concerned with what God can give? 
that in the face of the grace and the mercy that is on the cross that is facing us in our lives, do we remember the price that He paid? Or we have heard about it so many times that we have forgotten the weight of the cross. And we only come to God and we only remember who He is when we need something from Him. Is He God or is He our genie? That's what the soldiers represent. So when all of us in this time Let us see Christ as beyond our material provider. Yes, He provides. But His ultimate provision is right there on the cross. May we never lose sight of that. And the last group, beautiful group of people, the three who stood at the foot of the cross, the two Marys and the loved disciple, See, these people went closest to the cross and they went there out of love. All the other disciples had probably gone in hiding by this point in time, but these people went right up to God, to Jesus Christ rather on the cross. And in coming, they not only were there to witness the crucifixion, in that beautiful conversation at the foot of the cross where Christ says, Behold. Where Christ speaks and tells them that. And He gave charge or He gave the care of His earthly mother to the beloved disciple. And John records from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. See, they not only came to the cross to worship and to reflect and to understand what an immense price was being paid. They took on fully the mantle that Christ left on them. The disciple took on the mantle that Christ was inspiring in his life. He took on the mantle to take care of Jesus' earthly mother. And certainly we don't have that call to take care of Jesus' earthly mother, duh, right? But immediately what comes to mind, what comes to mind is the mantle that Christ has left for each of us on, the, on this earth. is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And as a people who have come close to God, as a people who are coming to encounter Him, is our response like this of that beloved disciple to say, Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. That in the face of the cross, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. 
but I choose to live and to take on the mantle that God is giving me. How do we respond to this debt that was paid on the cross? How do we respond to the price that Jesus paid on the cross? And this Good Friday, let's take that time to deal with the pilots, to deal with the high priest, to deal with the soldiers that are alive in our hearts and respond like that of the beloved disciple to have true love for God and to willingly accept the charge that He is laying on our lives. reflected this song.
finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit you know through the whole account john took pains to point out exactly where jesus fulfilled scripture twice first as the soldiers fought over jesus's clothes and then as jesus christ said the words i thirst john points out where Jesus fulfilled scripture. And you know, through the whole of John's gospel, this completes the story. If we have studied the book of John, we know that he includes these seven I am statements where Jesus identifies himself. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And throughout, from the beginning, when Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding in Cana, and through seven different signs throughout the book, it culminates in this cross. It culminates in this revelation of who our amazing, wondrous, majestic God is. And so when Jesus here as John records, says it is finished. It is in light of a complete picture of who this Christ is. It is in light of a complete picture that this is indeed God in human flesh. It is a complete picture that just as the creation of the world into perfection was completed in seven days, these seven statements and these seven happenings reveal completely who our Christ is. And when he says it is finished, he refers to that completed work on the cross, that completed revelation that this is indeed our God. And it ends with this, that he gave up his spirit. The ultimate message of submission that he is submitting to our Father's will. He completed his mission in being complete submission to the will of the Father. And in the middle of that passage lies this little line that says that the charge above Christ, King of Jews, was written in Greek, in Aramaic, and in Latin. 
They thought they were doing that to give him maximum shame and maximum humiliation. But right there on the finished work of the cross, the gospel began to be proclaimed in every language available that this is our God, King of the Jews. Not some statement that is a charge against him, but the truth of who he is. That is the beautiful picture that John paints for us on that cross. That this is a complete reveal of who God is. And from this day forward, this gospel is going to be proclaimed. Christ on the cross said it was finished. Christ on the cross said it was complete. And that word finished, and we're going to end on this and we're going to sing a song together in response. That word finished there, that phrase, it was finished, or it is finished rather, in the original language is just one word. And it is a word written at the end of a bill when the bill has been paid. The work was finished. The bill was paid. Our debt was paid. That is a wonderful picture on that cross. Just going to give us this time just to, in your own hearts, have your own time to just get right with God. hearts to respond to say Lord I thank you for the debt that has been paid and from this day forward I long to live for you stand right where we are as we respond together. Let's just sing this song. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, thy gazelle.
before we bring today's service to a close. First up on Sunday, 5pm, we'll be wearing, having rather, having, revving and, reverend and having put together. We'll be having Reverend Timothy Wing Chow to come and share um, the gospel message with us. It will be an evangelistic service on Sunday at 5pm. There will be dinner, a dinner buffet provided after service. So bring your friends, um, bring those who are yet to know the Lord or bring someone who is yet to find out who the Lord is or who needs to come back to God, bring them on Sunday at 5pm. Next up, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, if you have signed up for the BB fundraising walk, we will see you at 8am at Bedok Reservoir. 8am Bedok Reservoir tomorrow morning. You can find me tomorrow morning if you're a church member and you're there, right outside Wawawa Restaurant. Okay, so if you Google Maps it, you can find Wawawa Restaurant. You can find me there, 8am tomorrow morning at Bedok Reservoir. One last reminder, on the 15th of April will be our annual general meeting after service. If you would like to confirm your dinner, you can approach Sui Heng at the back. Um, yeah, if you want to confirm your dinner, it will be on the 15th of April after service. Okay, that's all. Um, let's just stand as we close to sing My Chains Are Gone. Sweet the sound that save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It's My heart to feel and pray.
After this benediction, do go in peace in the Lord. By his wounds we are made whole. Go in the name of Jesus Christ and live in a salvation made possible by the goodness of this Friday. Amen.